good day to be indigenous. Get up, stand up. They are going to become more brutal. Cody Cook, Henny Cutter, Because all the hippies were trying to be Indians anyway. They're going to become more repressive because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, Victor. We must live in balance with the earth. And also with recent happenings at Wounded Knee. I am awake. Welcome to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Wakanja Hade. Hey, Kadagi to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. And we discuss local and national Native news and events. And as you know, Wendy, Native issues are human issues, and human issues are Native issues. This portion of the show is supported by MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice. Hey, I don't say this enough, Wen, but, you know, we're coming from... uh, what our, our native, our Ho-Chunk way, we call this Macho Hudus, and that means a place where you take blue clay from. And, you know, we're from down south, southern Minnesota here, too. Mm. Before there were borders, you know, in Blue Earth and uh, Winnebago and down in that area in Minnesota. And uh, we've had uh, traditional land here up in the Mississippi for tens of thousands of years. So mm-hmm. it's always my pleasure to uh, start the show off and, and remind people that. Actually, I want to just say this really quickly. You know, yesterday I took our godchild, Renzo, to the Children's Theater in Minneapolis, and we went to see a little children's show. And before the show, they mm-hmm. announced, you know, shut off your cell phone and all that good stuff. But they said, I want to remind everybody that you are on Dakota land, and this is Dakota land. And they did a land acknowledgement there. Yeah. And I was really surprised. It was like, wow. <laughs> That's good. I loved it. Yeah. And, you know, I just ran into a Ho-Chunk uh, that goes to St. Thomas right over here. Uh, we're kind of by the St. Thomas College, uh, Wendy and I. And they said that they say uh, Ishinabi and Ho-Chunk when they do land acknowledgement. Nice. And that's a... That's the first I heard of that. So uh, very cool. Land back, and speaking of land back, uh, we we talk about news that you don't hear anywhere else, and we have Zoe Allen that's going to be doing the news tonight, and we're going to critique it, and we're going to score it from one to ten, Zoe, um, and we'll get back to you on that. But this will be your big shot, and we really appreciate you stepping in here and doing the news that you don't hear anywhere else. Welcome, Zoe. Miigwech. Yeah, so buju, um, all my relatives. This is Zoe Allen. I'm a citizen of the Sichangu Lakota of Rosebud and also a descendant of the Anishinaabe of White Earth, um, which is where I'm currently broadcasting from today. So the first story I have for us comes from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation News or CBC News. Um, The Haudenosaunee Confederacy has been able to retrieve sacred objects from a museum in Geneva, Switzerland. Um, This occurred on February 7th, so really recent. A delegation from the Haudenosaunee External Relations Committee traveled all the way to Geneva to retrieve the sacred objects, which which included a medicine mask and a turtle rattle, which were in the museum's possession for almost 200 years. Uh, The Haudenosaunee people reside in both the U.S. and Canada, for our listeners that don't know. They also consider medicine masks to be living living beings, which are never to be photographed. And, you know, that falls along with a lot of indigenous nations who consider um, virtually everything to have a spirit. Um, So Mohawk citizen Kenneth Deer was quoted stating that it was like the mask was sleeping for 200 years and the mask is now coming back awake. He went on to say that sacred indigenous objects are not wall decor, unlike colonial museums often treat them. The items were first donated to the museum in 1825 by a Swiss historian and politician. It is not known how they came into his possession in the first place, and the process of repatriation um, took about seven months uh, after the items were spotted in July 2022 by a Haudenosaunee citizen, Brennan Ferguson. Um, And seven months is pretty incredible for a repatriation to occur. Usually they take a lot longer. Uh, Ferguson went on to say that other museums should follow suit um, of the Geneva Museum as they were so swift to process the repatriation request and return the sacred pieces in a formal ceremony. Um, They also had a tree um, planting ceremony to commemorate the Repatriation Act in Geneva. Um, So also along the same theme of repatriation, 
Uh, This comes from NPR News. The University of Minnesota president, John Gable, Joanne Gable, excuse me, is recommending the return of a forestry forestry research center near Cloquet, Minnesota, which is about four hours north of Minneapolis, um, near the North Shore, really close to Duluth, Minnesota. Um, So this land is to be returned to the Fond du Lac band of Lake Superior Ojibwe. The site in question is 3,400 acres, and it's located three miles west of Cloquet, um, it has been in the possession of the U of M for more than a century. The center um, itself has been the primary research uh, site for the university since 1909. Uh, originally, the land was reserved for the Fond du Lac Band um, in the La Pointe Treaty of 1854. And that treaty created a formal division between the Mississippi Ojibwe and the Lake Superior Ojibwe by specifying which bands would belong to each group for future negotiations with the U.S. government. However, uh, federal laws in 1880 allowed for the U.S. government to give, quote-unquote, unallotted lands um, <laughs> to lumber companies for extensive logging, uh, wherein after the site was gifted to the university. or um, So returning this land won't necessarily be maybe as easy as um, the pieces in Geneva. Um, this will require the U of M to contend with the state of Minnesota, who originally owns the land. Um, so it might result in a much longer process. However, returning land um, requires a lot more than returning sacred objects. So we've, you know, a lot of the tribes in Minnesota have been through this. Um, they know what to expect. But this act of repatriation was inspired by the Minnesota Indian Affairs Council letter that they um, released in 2020, which called out the University of Minnesota specifically um, to repair and improve its relationships with the surrounding tribes in Minnesota, um, as they have a long history of disrespecting and um, stealing uh, lands. I believe they are a land grab university. Um, And so this is just one act um, that's following the letter. So the repatriation of this land, however, does not come without some strings attached um, as the U of M hopes to negotiate a memorandum of agreement with the tribe so that the school can continue its research efforts. Um, and while this is definitely good news for the Fond du Lac band, it's kind of, I think it's kind of tricky um, that they might still have to share this land with the university because it is rightfully the Fond du Lac's land. Um, and they should have uninhibited control of how the site is managed. I know a lot of other universities in the state and even uh, the college I went to, McAllister College, have um, research lands that are used only for students. Um, and I know that McAllister has lands and I've went and visited them and they are accessible to most people. However, a lot of people don't know about them. And so um, here's to hoping that the University of Minnesota's repatriation um, will set a precedent for other schools to follow in the state. Um, And in other news, um, this comes from CTV News, uh, Julie Black is drawing attention for a subtle change she made to the lyrics of O Canada at Sunday's NBA All-Star Game. Um, The Juno Awarded winning R&B singer performed the national anthem before the game in Salt Lake City, Utah, and she altered one line to recognize the indigenous peoples who lived on the land before European settlers. Um, So this had a positive reaction, and, you know, hopefully this also um, helps repair relationships between, um, you know, indigenous peoples and sports team, which have a history of being very racist and demeaning towards us. Um, and I had one more, but maybe we'll get to it at the end because it is important. Um, right so Jimmy Good and Zoe Allen presenting the news. Right on. Great job, Zoe. Right one. Woohoo. Yes. We might, uh, we'll jump maybe uh, a little bit of her article if it's a quick one because we got Wendy up next with our uh, sacred animal section. Mm-hmm. Hey, you're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Peeny Gigi Zoe Allen for that news update. We'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Thank you. 
If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence and shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. JNS Bean Factory is a native-owned, community-supported, cozy, artsy coffee shop which offers roasted on-site beans, live music, and baked goods. Relax in the beautiful outside patio. City Pages writes, voted top 10 coffee shops. Tucked into a quiet corner of St. Paul's Highland Park neighborhood, this coffee shop roasts beans on-site from the best coffee-growing countries in the world. Located at 1518 Randolph Avenue, St. Paul. The good stuff. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. This is Winona LaDuke of Honor the Earth, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. I'm awake. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Hey, uh, we got one of our... uh, our super fans up there saying, uh, good, good job. No, great job, Zoe. Whoa, not good job, great job. But uh, that was awesome. And I, I understand before we get into a, 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 the sacred animal section, thank you, Wendy. Zoe has more news. So go ahead, Zoe. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Oh, good, Wendy. Um, yeah, there was just one more thing I want to promote an event coming up really soon, February 25th. Um, the Warrior Woman Project recently announced that they're hosting an event to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the 1973 occupation of Wounded Knee, not to be confused with the 1890 massacre at Wounded Knee. Um, so just to remind our listeners, um, the second Wounded Knee occurred due to a conflict that started um, between the Pine Ridge Oglala and uh, tribal chairman. Um, and it resulted in a two and a half month um, armed conflict between AIM and federal law officials. Um, so the Warrior Woman Project um, is a collaborative. Um, they recently um, put a movie out in 2018. I've actually went and saw the movie. I don't know if Robert and Wendy, if you've been able to see it yet. It's really powerful. Oh, yeah. um, really centers. Yeah, really centers uh, the work of Madonna Thunderhawk. Um, and a lot of the women behind AIM whose stories you don't get to hear about as much. Um, so the event will take place Saturday, February 25th from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. in Porcupine, South Dakota. Um, some of these activities will include um, community lunch, um, a live roundtable discussion with some of the wounded women from Wounded Knee, and interactive oral history exhibits. So it should be really interesting. Um, and if you can't, um, go in person. I know that the event will be live streamed. So um, I will link um, their website um, at the bottom of our stream. But also for our listeners out there, you can just search warriorwomen.org and it should take you to the website and there'll be more information for you there. So. Hey, wow. Thanks a lot, Zoe. And I will be in uh, uh, Wounded Knees 50th anniversary and we're really good friends with the Warrior Woman Project, which have Madonna Thunderhawk's been on many times. And also, last time I was there, I was there with Clyde Belcourt. Mm-hmm. He asked me to go with him. It was three years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Madonna, who is close to 80, I think she's 82 now, was on a horse. So I'm just like, what the heck? <laughs> it's crazy. She was driving around on a horse. You don't drive, but that's... I ride around. I right. But we're city folk. We yeah, we drive around in horses. Hey, we got our sacred animal section. And then next Wendy, we're going to have Dr. Stately of Minnesota Indian or uh, Native American Community Clinic. Yes. Okay, I'm going to talk slow and you're up. Awesome. Hey, everybody. My name is Hanaji Hihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my diga, Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanajinga, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a humane policy volunteer leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level. But on Friday, I was talking to everyone about the Minnesota groggy bear uh, that woke up and was trapped in a culvert. What? Yeah, remember the culvert yeah. on the side of the road? See, and us uh, city folk here don't know what culverts <laughs> are on the side of the road where the water uh, co- collects. But anyway, this bear uh, made a den and it flooded with water and there were a bunch of people trying to save the bear and rescue the bear and th- you know, wanting to feed the bear because they figured that the bear would be hungry and they they threw um, food at him. Six Pop-Tarts, a head of lettuce, a dead sucker minnow, some fancy feast cat food, bird oh. seed, and some Swedish, Swedish <laughs> fish. Uh, the bear ended up uh, four, being 400 pounds. He was very healthy and he was relocated uh, to a state game sanctuary where he will continue to hibernate safely. Um, so I'm glad that those people were able to, um, you know, get the authorities to come and, and get the bear. So. But I've been reading so many uh, instances where bears are hibernating now under like people's houses and decks and porches. And there's a uh, family in Plainsville, Connecticut, who discovered a black bear hibernating under their deck. Uh, They found out about it because their dog was growling and the family um, looked underneath and there he was, uh, a bear. And the family said he's massive but super chill. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, they contacted the Connecticut Department of Energy Environmental Protection, other uh, also known as DEEP, D-E-E-P, and they advised just to leave him alone as as, as long as he's not bothering anybody. And they said, you know, hibernating bears are really uh, not a threat to any human beings. Uh, The deep uh, people said that they get at least 15 to 20 calls a year about bears denning under decks and porches. And the family joked and said it's barely been an issue. Oh, come on. <laughs> and listen, they named the bear Marty. Uh, so, Marty. yeah, the family has made Marty his own account on TikTok and Instagram. And you could check out uh, the TikTok uh, and Instagram page uh, if you look up Marty.the dot bear so you could check him out um and they want to make his stay as comfortable as possible and the deep officials say uh marty could stay there between uh until march or april of uh until he's finished um hibernating and then there was another instance uh a woman in uh, Pike County, Pennsylvania, uh, found a sow, and a sow is a female black bear, um, and the bear was under her deck along with small cubs. Oh. Could you imagine? Yeah, the Pennsylvania Game Commission set up its black bear camera under her deck <laughs> yeah. uh, so that you could go on the PA for Pennsylvania, PA Black Bear Den cam, and you could actually watch live footage um, of this bear. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so the 
uh, Pennsylvania Game Commission said that black bears are not true hibernators. Uh, so you'll see her stretch out from time to time and take a yawn. And sometimes she'll start to nib- nibble on the deck above and kind of move around a little bit. And they said that we won't see any of her cubs just yet because she's protecting and nurturing them. Mm. Uh, yeah, the Game Commission says uh, she and her cubs pre- present no danger to humans at all, uh, especially the females with the cubs. And she's not going to leave because if she does, of course, the cubs will perish. Mm. So she has to be really careful about that. But again, watch it live on PA for Pennsylvania, Black Bear Den Cam. And I was able to go on and there's a little, uh, I didn't watch it live, but I watched video of it. You could um, go online and just Google it and the little videos come come out and they're already like edited of her um, moving around and, and stuff. And she's really, really cute, but she does look sleepy. You know, these bears do look sleepy. Uh, but I have seven fun facts about bear hibernation. We'll probably just get to one or two of these. Uh, but we've talked about bear hibernation before. And I'm sure if I went on, I could find a lot more people around uh, who have bears hibernating on their property. And I'm just happy about these two families that really are so excited that the bear is there <laughs> and like kind of chose their place as a really safe, warm, you know, warm, cozy den for them to hibernate throughout their hibernation season and that they really want to make sure that the bears are comfortable and warm and, you know, that they're not going to bother them at all. They're just going to let them stay there till the end of the season. So I love that so much. So the Yogi and uh, Boo Boo are sleeping on. Oh, I know. Yogi and Boo Boo. Hey, I Boo Boo. So, go get some a picnic yeah, baskets. Yeah, so both the Pennsylvania... Uh, Pennsylvania Game Commission and the Connecticut Department of Energy and Environmental Protection said that once the bears wake up, they're just going to wake up and leave. They're not, you know, they're not going to cause any trouble. So just leave them there and that's it. But right before they hibernate, bears load up on food, eating up to 20,000 calories a day and gaining as much as 30 pounds a week. Wow. Yeah, you know, I went to the store today and I, um, <laughs> speaking of gaining 30 pounds a week, I went to the store today and I was very, um, hungry while I was shopping and that's not a good thing to do. Plus, we're, you know, we're going to have a snowstorm here. We're going to end we're up with get 22, 22 inches. inches by Thursday. So I got lots of good snacks and lots of good, um, cakes and things to, munch out on so (laughs) speaking of gaining 30 pounds in a week that might happen um and i also made uh today uh homemade vegan because i'm vegan everybody knows that homemade vegan creamy wild rice uh soup so we could have that robert wow I'm I'm all about it. Yeah. Is it Leech Lake wild rice? I th- because, yes, uh, it is. It's yeah. Leech Lake. Okay, yes. I'll eat it then. Yes. So <laughs> one more thing here. Baby, born, baby bears are born in the winter during hibernation and are nursed in the den until they emerge in the spring. Wow. That's amazing. It is. Yeah. Wow. So, so lots of good fun facts about bears and... Um, glad people are protecting them and keeping them safe. Exactly. Hey, we are uh, Native Ritz Radio, and up next we're going to have uh, Dr. Stately. And if Dr. Stately doesn't show up at uh, the Native American Community Clinic, I'm sure we have some more bear trivia. Oh, I have so much. All right, right on. Hey, <laughs> and I can do my impersonations of, hey, boo-boo, go get some of picnic baskets. All right, no, I can't. All right, we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. You're listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents I'm Awake. Hey, it's Tom telling you how all energy solar can make you see green in 2023. Fossil fuel prices will continue to rise this year, so lock in an energy rate with a new system from All Energy Solar. Solar panels from All Energy Solar last 25 to 30 years, giving you stable energy costs for decades to come. And besides solar panels, All Energy Solar can also help with solar battery storage and electric car charging stations. For 2023, many tax incentives are available, and All Energy Solar can walk you through the entire process. The Inflation Reduction Act included an extension and increase to the federal solar tax credit. 
Plus, many local utilities and communities in Minnesota offer solar rebates. But don't delay. Many local incentives are claimed on a first-come, first-served basis, meaning if you wait until the traditional spring construction season, those incentives will likely be gone. So make 2023 your greenest year ever, both environmentally and financially. Get a free no-obligation assessment from All Energy Solar by visiting allenergysolar.com. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067 or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you. Hi, Minneapolis. This is Randy Rhodes. Listen to me. Weeknights, 10 to midnight, AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Hey, it's Patrick. February is the month for love, but when was the last time you gave your carpet the love and attention it really deserves? If your carpet hasn't been professionally cleaned, you are breathing unhealthy levels of nasty dirt, dander, bacteria, and germs that keep recirculating again and again. And what's worse, you're going to be stuck inside breathing that nasty stuff for months. Lucky for you, Zero Res is going to spread the love for you and your home with their Love Your Rug special. Get three rooms Zero Resified from the Twin Cities' number one carpet cleaner starting at just 119 bucks. Plus, this month only, they are throwing in a free hallway to sweeten the deal. But hurry, this deal won't last long. And because love has no limits, Zero Res is going to take 75 bucks off your air duct cleaning. You owe it to yourself and your family to breathe healthy, happy, and clean. Call Zero Res right now, 9520-RES, or go online at ZeroResMinnesota.com and say you want the AM950 special. Zero Res. Hi, this is Laura, and I want to tell you about my family's favorite thing. It's our wood stove. We bought it about 14 years ago from Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And see, the wood stove has actually paid for itself because we can keep the main area that we live in toasty warm with this great moist heat. But more important than saving money, it has actually improved our lives. Having a fire simplifies life. It provides comfort. It sort of takes the chill out of winter. I'm Peter Solak. In 1977, I started Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces. And I experienced the simple joy of warming myself by a fire. I also realized that the place and the way we embrace fire has evolved in a diversity of forms and styles. So at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, we have brought together the widest selection of our fireplace products and technical knowledge in the Twin Cities. Our mission is to use our knowledge to help you choose the design and function that is right for you and your home. Visit Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces today and find the right fire for you. With your AM 950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for cloudy skies tonight with a low around 7. Then Tuesday, we do have a winter storm watch in effect as we expect 3 to 7 inches of snow with a high near 21. Scotch Mama's offers a huge taste out of a little place. Besides their delicious barbecue, they have potato salad, spicy baked beans, twice baked potatoes, and delicious desserts. Located at 3 West Diamond Lake Road near the intersection of Nicollet Avenue and West Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis, scotchamamas.com. Bijou, I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. Welcome back to Native Roots Radio Presents I'm Awake. This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute in Minneapolis. Hey, we're at Macho Hodu's uh, studios here. See how I threw that in there, Wendy? Kind Can of you fancy. say it once more? Uh, Macho Hodu's. 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 That means, it means uh, Minnesota. It means, yeah, what we call Minnesota or St. Paul, Minneapolis area is a place where you take a blue clay from i can't talk tonight um but that's nothing nothing new that's nothing new right Mm -hmm. hey and you know today uh is dr stately day and we haven't talked to our our friendly uh doctor from the native ceo of the native american community clinic and uh we're really happy to see you and dr stately uh wendy and i have a couple questions for you especially with this uh snow snow nami coming here in the midwest Snowmageddon, yeah. Oh, good one. Snowmageddon, yeah. yeah. Snowmageddon number two, this is the sequel. We had the first one a few weeks ago. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm in an 80s film when you name it like that. 
<laughs> it's like, whoa, the shark. And the... I'm sure it's not the first time you felt that way, actually. Oh, uh, good um. one. Hey, uh, <laughs> when, Wendy, Wendy and I were talking uh, during the break, and we were wondering, with our homeless relatives, with this big snow yeah. or with big cold coming in, mm-hmm. do they even know? And, I mean, do they know what's what's heading that way? Um, a lot of them, a lot of them won't know, um, but like organizations like NAC, we have an outreach team that goes out. We have Southside Harm Reduction Services, um, which is a syringe exchange service and harm reduction um, provider in the community. Um, We all, there's a number of organizations in South Minneapolis that go and sort of work with our relatives who are unsheltered and houseless. And so they'll go out and they'll try to Oop, he just froze so i guess they'll go out and try to help them and, and ask them know. to come to shelter somebody must be playing a video game at his house cuz he just froze yeah he needs more expensive internet service at his house there <laughs> yeah oh well um yeah i'm sure the police will go out too and and warn them and say you know listen we're expecting a lot of snow this is really dangerous you know i mean those little tents that i see out there 22 inches of snow is pretty heavy it could collapse them it could well they're not the biggest thing either how do you roll out of there without being like your door covered or the drifting of snow right um yeah. So it's hard. It's hard to to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's other things too, and we were really we're supportive. Um, Maybe text Doctor Stately and of, ask uh, them to shut, turn the, off, and turn on yeah, again. When the wall of forgotten natives were going on, yes. uh, we were really, um, you know, supportive of what was going on there, mm-hmm. and uh, it was hard to uh, phantom what what was happening there because of there's so much survival stuff going on. Dr. Stately, are you, are you back with us? I'm back. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Okay. Cool. The precursor to snowmageddon is you lose your internet. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think basically what, like there's a lot of outreach folks that go out and try to get supplies and things that they need as quickly as we can. That of course is not to take care of the fact that we have so many unsheltered relatives in our state. And one one quarter, so 25% of all the unsheltered people in the state of Minnesota um, are indigenous, are are Native American. We have um, some of the highest rates of unsheltered people um, in our state. And so, you know, I think it's a good reminder to do things like, you know, carry extra water, carry carry some more extra socks if you have them, any of those kinds of things that might be helpful and meaningful to like your relatives or our relatives and who are unsheltered just extra things in your car that you can hand people um um if you see someone that needs like you know a warm jacket some mittens some gloves some warm socks dry socks um some water people oftentimes also can get dehydrated in this weather because the cold air sucks you know the like that's why we all get all like dry and ashy in the winter time because it's just like the moisture gets sucked from everything. Um, so just like ensuring that we can do things for our relatives to keep um, them safe, and if you have the ability to sort of host someone um, or you know take them, give them a hot cup of coffee or a hot chocolate or something like that, I think you know a little bit of love and compassion goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I like what you you said there too, and we've talked about that too. Even for your own protection, you want to uh, mm-hmm. definitely have those things in your car, but also to be able to hand them out to uh, to people that may need it and yeah. in, in need. Mm-hmm. Um, that's yeah. a really good point, Doctor Stately. And we will have a lot of our relatives riding, doing things like riding the buses, riding the trains. Mm-hmm. Those kinds of things. I think doing our part also and trying to help people to understand why we have the situations we have with some of our relatives doing things like, you know, encouraging, you know, people within your 
sphere of social influence to sort of be compassionate and understanding as well. So mm-hmm. those are all, all things we can do. So. Yeah, and you can also call your legislature with legislator and encourage them to pass some of the bills that are in front of them. There's um, the governor has a bill going in that's going to provide historic amounts of um, funding for affordable housing. Right. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting, Dr. Stately, that you bring that up too, because um, through COVID we realized that the government's got a lot of money stashed, you know, I mean, nothing was happening, but we were getting bailout money and money here and there and no taxes were being collected. Mm -hmm. So if there's a will, there's a way I truly believe. And, and, and that tells me the past years that there hasn't been a will to help our relatives out there. You know, we were talking about the Wall of Forgotten Natives. If you look directly to your right from there when that happened three years ago, you see a billion-dollar stadium uh, yep. that's used basically, what, 20 times a year? Yeah. You know, eight yep. times for football and maybe some concerts? Yep, yep. And the rest of the time it's like, Sits empty and costs lots of money to air condition and maintain and do all those things. And, you know, like the governor has, is we have this historic amount of money in our um, coffers in the state. And, you know, actually, I think the governor's proposed that they pay off the bond on the, um, on the um, U.S. Bank Stadium uh, 10 years early. So, you know, that that's how... In theory, that will save a lot of um, costs and interest payments. But you know, the part of the, the the biggest challenge that we have with some of this stuff is is that like people are, um, I don't think legislators and decision makers they end up getting like a lot of um, you know their 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 very livelihood a lot of times is connected to them getting reelected, right? And so part of it is is like they go with like. Um, they make poor decisions or they make the decisions about um, what some a handful of their constituents want within their district <clears throat> without taking a look at the impact on the on the gestalt the whole the whole entire um, you know um, spectrum of the community and they make decisions about like the use of resources based on like what's going to satisfy the you know the 51 percent of the people that are going to um, reelect them to their office rather than doing the right thing or the reasonable thing or the smartest thing. Like last year we could have, um, you know, if we had been able to have a bipartisan sort of agreement on how to um, pass a bonding bill, which is last year is the general obligation bond, which we usually do for infrastructure, it was historic low rate, low rates of interest. It was like, you know, interest rate was like 0%, you know, um, and we could have borrowed money on, such significantly lower rates of interest than we will this year. This year we'll be paying, you know, three or four times higher than um, interest rates on those bonds. The challenge is, is that people people um, don't always operate from their their principles and their um, you know their spiritually higher order self. They oftentimes act from you know their own fear and the fear of not being liked by my. Um, my my neighbor or the person across the street or the fear of not being reelected to my office because a, um, I, I do something unpopular, quote unquote unpopular. Not a, a true definition of a leader. And, you know, that's something that's no, so, so bad know. for us, Dr. Stately, that uh, it'd be great if we could stretch out the representatives to four years so they don't aren't our representatives here in Minnesota. So they're not constantly uh, yeah. funding and running. Exactly. And that's what constantly you running, constantly running campaigns, having to raise money and doing those sort of things. Also be good if we could like pay legislators for them. Right? So they don't have to pay them a fair and livable wage. Right. What, wait, wait, but, um, I, did, I missed uh, what you yeah. just said there. What did you say that first part? I'll pay that, our legislators a fair and livable wage. So they would, feel more invested in the, in you know the process exactly hey we got we got a, a minute uh down uh to go for this segment uh we're here with dr stately ceo of the native american community clinic 
and I I noticed that you had a party that we weren't uh, we weren't invited <laughs> to. Yes, Wendy. Yes, and uh, we'll talk to you on the next segment about that. Oh, look, he's shaking his. He put his camera on. He's back. Yes. Wow. And we'll give you the third degree on that because uh, that looked like a fun party and a lot of good selfies. But yeah, we we have a reason to congratulate you when you come back. So you have time to think of a good excuse. Well, wait. <laughs> wait. We do have more than a minute here now that I'm looking at the clock. So, uh, Dr. Stately, you were c- celebrating an anniversary there. Can you tell our audience? Yeah, well, I was in NAC was celebrating their 20th anniversary. So we opened our doors in February of 2003. So right this on. Is our, hey, 20th, we'll, our 20th anniversary. We'll be back and we'll talk about that and find out where our table was. Ho, uh, we'll be right back after this short break. Stay with us. Oh, go ahead, Wendy. Stay with us. Come on. Boost your immunity and help protect your community. COVID-19 is still here, but it's not too late to get your booster. Staying up to date with vaccines can help build protection that has decreased since your last shot and provide better protection against newer variants. Boosters are an important part of protecting yourself from getting seriously ill from COVID-19. To learn more and schedule your appointment, visit ramseycounty.us slash COVID vaccine. RamseyCounty.us slash COVID vaccine. Hey, Olgama, I've been hearing a lot about this term, climate justice. What is that? Climate justice is recognizing that the negative impacts of climate change don't affect all people equally. It also means transitioning from a fossil fuel-based economy to a more sustainable future. MN350 is one of the groups that's pushing for this transition to protect our futures. You can even get involved, too. That's great, especially since I'm concerned about pipeline projects like Line 3. How can I help MN350? Just find them on Facebook or visit mn350.org. Minnesota has the only original wolf population in the continental United States, and 80% of Minnesotans believe the wolf should be protected. Howling for Wolves is asking Minnesotans to respect our true wildlife manager, the wolf. Their survival is critical to our ecosystems, our communities, and even our economy. As highly intelligent animals with strong social bonds, Minnesota wolves deserve to be protected and admired. Learn more at howlingforwolves.org. Let's live and let howl. We are your relatives. We are your relations. Brothers. Sisters. Sons. Daughters. And and some some of us are your grandchildren. We are your community. Historically, we held places of honor and respect. Because of the impact of colonization, some of us are rejected, thrown out from family, friends, and community, set up as targets for sexual violence, sex trafficked, humiliated, tortured, and murdered. Everybody has the right to be safe. We are your relatives. Remember, homophobia is not traditional. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio. And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake, and this is Robert Pilot. This portion of the show is sponsored by the Native American Community Clinic on Franklin Avenue in Minneapolis, honoring health and tradition. Also, Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Howl! Oh, Zoe, that was a good one. Zoe's got a good uh, pitch in there. You know, it really Takes matches. But she's doing great. She's doing great. Hey, we're here with uh, Dr. Stately, and we are talking about the Native American Community Clinic's anniversary. And uh, that's exciting. Um, and I know you haven't been there the whole time, but just to celebrate that. And then I saw you had one of the... Uh, one of our great leaders there. And tell us a little bit about your celebration. Well, we had a, um, we had a luncheon party, um, afternoon luncheon at a Wami restaurant. We did lunch because we can't afford to have a real party like in the evening. (laughs) (laughs) Lots and lots of money. But luncheon, it was really nice. It was beautiful. It was in their community room. Um, We opened with a honor song and um, and a prayer from... Uh, a drum group that is led by a couple of my nephews and a few other folks in the community. Um, I should remember the name. Hokata. He's he's going to kill me when I can't pronounce it right. So I'm not going to try. And then uh, we, you know, we had a few words from like our table sponsors. We had four tables 
um, in that community room, each sponsored by a corporate sponsor of the clinics. Um, we had some really great sponsors who stepped up and helped us sponsor the tables and the event and um, and and helped us sort of like celebrate our party. And then um, it was also an opportunity for us to talk about the soft launch of our um, capital campaign for our new building. And um, really grateful to Blue Cross Blue Shield. Um, <clears throat> uh, and um, they were our main sponsor. They gave some really great remarks and applauded us for our work. So it was really nice to see that. The surprise of the day, and then we also um, had um, other sponsors, including United Healthcare and um, <clears throat> Delta Dental, who's been a longtime supporter of the clinic, and um, and then our fourth sponsor was Children's Hospital. But the real surprise was, and I, you know, you know me, I'm almost never I'm speechless, practically <laughs> never speechless, right? But the real surprise was when um, Representative Ilhan Omar. Um, stood up to make a couple of remarks and uh, congratulatory remarks for our organization and our clinic. Um, we are in her third district. Um, and she, you know, she pulls out um, a congressional record document that was, that was introduced to led to the Congress um, on the, the day before the event. Um, just recognizing NAC and its work that they've done. Um, that we've done over the last 20 years um, and the contribution that we make to, you know, not just our city and our state, but also to the work that we do nationally sometimes. Um, just really beautiful. Um, and I was really caught off guard. I didn't know that was happening. I was, I was stunned. I was going to cry. I think I might have actually sort of kind of cried that, at that moment. But, you know. I, gotta I also was really aware that people were taking pictures and I didn't want to cry in front of anybody. Because I'm a I'm an ugly crier, you know. I was gonna say, and then you had my uh, ribbon shirt on. I saw the red one. I did. I had. Your we could have been shirt twins on. if we were invited. Yeah. In fact, people thought I was you. They were yeah. asking me. Yeah. Okay, David Knoyer. <laughs> That's what he always says too. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> oh my God! Um, yeah. Well, it was a really beautiful event. It was great to spend time with people and talk about our work and talk about, you know, and do some relationship building. And yeah, it was just a really wonderful day, beautiful day. Uh, you to know, be at that it, site. Yeah. Like and where it is. Sacred waters. Sacred spot, you know, so. Yeah. And also, you know, having Il Il Ilham there is really exciting because I see her around in the community all the time now. And I know she she's a fast learner because when she was running, she was on the show a few times, uh, her initial run. And she wasn't really on top of Native issues, but she's really, really, really made up for it. Yeah, she has. You know, she was um, – the Congress has passed congressional spending bills, so what they call them earmarks, um, um, federal support for um, critical projects in, across the country. And each congressperson and senator, uh, congressman and um, senator get an opportunity to sort of, you know, um, set in the appropriations bill every year, a set of projects that are important to them and to their district. And I think a couple of years ago, she gave a, um, she supported the American Indian Center. They got a large, a large appropriation from her, I think, 2022 um um, congressional just directed spending um, bill. Um, we were in this year in 23 for a million from her. Um, so that was our opportunity to thank her publicly for that. And um, yeah, she's done a lot. Um, she's She tries to show up, I think, on a regular basis and have, you know, um, uh, meaningful conversations with us that are um, in the community that are um, leading organizations or, um, or um, bringing forth important conversations about the, the concerns that the community has. She's pretty um, open to those things. And I have a, I don't have her direct cell phone, but I have the next best thing. I have the cell phone of her assistant. So I can always kind of text him and say, Hey, I really need to talk to the Senator. I mean, the representative about this. So it's yeah. kind of, yeah, it's good to see her. She was, you know, it's always lovely to see her. Yeah, and what a celebration and what a, a landmark of 20 years. You know, you think about 20 years ago and um, somebody like uh, Zoe, who's 23 years old, uh, uh, doesn't realize 
a lot of the strife and struggle it did uh, to have a, a community clinic like that. Yeah. So it's, it's an opportunity for me to acknowledge like our beginnings. I tell everybody that like the, the, the community really does think of us as their community, their clinic. Um, mm -hmm. It's not by mistake that their name is in our name. And I think that shows up in all kinds of ways. They, um, they really trust us to do what we can to try and help and um, alleviate, um, you know, um, struggling and, um, and um, barriers for healthcare and a number of other areas around social and um, economic well-being. Um, these are spaces and places we try really hard to sort of move the needle because we know that they're tied directly to healthcare and healthcare outcomes. But we opened 20 years ago with the mission of sort of improving the health of um, the spiritual, physical, spiritual, and mental well-being of our um, of our relatives in South Minneapolis. And a, a big part of our mission is also to improve the health equity and the, and the health um, disparities of the community. And we do a lot of that work now. <clears throat> um, it's a, something I really ambitiously worked towards when I came on as the executive officer was to to build more stronger partnerships across the um, Twin Cities with the other organizations that are doing similar work with us, but also work that was critical for our partnerships and to grow um, the impact that we can have in the community. And then, um, you know, also building stronger relationships with state and federal partners that can bring resources to our community um, to solve really critical um, situations and issues that are um, that have a big impact on health like houselessness and yeah. um, you know um, we're working with a couple of organizations across the Twin Cities um, another native organization MIWC and two African-American organizations to help to develop a birthing justice strategy for Hennepin County to address maternal and, and child health outcomes for black and indigenous women and that's an example of where we operate in the policy development um, arena where we try to use what we understand clinically and how we understand our culture um, our community from a cultural lens and other um, uh, priorities to set an agenda to help um, change outcomes over the next five to ten years wow Hey, Zoe, we only got like a minute left. Do you have a, a question or a statement? We always want to bring the young ones in, Dr. Stately. <laughs> oh, well, I was just, I was going to mention the Birth Justice um, uh, collaboration, actually. So I'm really glad you got to that, Dr. Stately, because as a former MIWRC employee, I was a part of um, some of those events and was able to uh, watch some of the panels. And it was just really incredible to see our two communities be able to come together. So here's to more of that type of work. So Chimi yeah. for coming on today. Thank you. I think they're important conversations to have because both of our communities are impacted by colonial structures that pit us against each other sometimes and make us fight for limited resources. So. Good point. Hey, Dr. Stately, thanks for being on. Wendy, thanks for being on. Zoe, thanks for the news. We'll be back tomorrow. You're listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. Free Leonard Peltier. Now.